We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle have absolutely humiliated PSG by four goals to one at St. James's Park to go top of their Champions League group. It's one of the great nights in this club's recent history. I'm Alex. I have Sai, Charlotte and Sam Darling alongside me to talk to you about one of the fantastic, brilliant, best ever wins we have ever witnessed at St. James's Park as PSG are humbled as Newcastle put four past them to basically win the fucking Champions League. That's how it feels <laughs> right now. We're on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. Come and join us. It keeps this one free. It keeps it going. And we're going to talk about this lots and lots and lots and also build up to West Ham. Link in the description to this pod. Sai, you were in the corner. Four goals to one. In your wildest dreams, did you see Newcastle United doing this tonight? Not at all. Not at all. Not with the players missing. Um, not with um, kind of the the everything that comes with Paris Saint-Germain coming to St. James' Park. I thought we would see a cagey kind of timid approach, just like we got at, uh, at San Siro. And we didn't get that at all. We got a very confident. We got a Newcastle United that is on in winning ways. We got a Newcastle United that's won four games in the balance and we got exactly what we thought uh would be the result there um i was i was there um for for the for the uh, juventus game in in 2002 i was i, I watched the, the the barcelona game when i was 10 on the tv neither were even close to that in terms of how that felt to be part of that crowd i feel like that is the greatest victory in newcastle's history and i feel like I know I'm waxing lyrical right now, but I honestly feel that that is the case. And we will look back on this in years to come as the greatest victory. Honestly, honestly. Yeah, wow. I'm I'm a husky gal from celebrating four goals and celebrating four incredible goals this yeah. evening. Absolutely unreal. Newcastle were brilliant. Um, they, they, there, were, there were moments there where they could have lost their heads, where they could have got like let the pressure get to them um but they didn't this was a this was a big test this was a this was a big announcement to be made by Newcastle and we made it we're top of our group um I just can't believe it being in the stadium tonight was class it was um loud it was bouncing there were moments of sort of like maybe nervousness from the crowd but they were quickly they were quickly got rid of by another corner of the stadium um start, starting chants and singing and um and, and the the paris fans were loud tonight they, they they brought drum i don't know how they got drums into the stadium like I've, I've got an issue with that but fine so they were loud all the way through but we really really just drowned them out i just like being part of that tonight I feel like pin like I'm pinching myself. Like it, I feel so so lucky to have witnessed that this evening. It was my ears are still ringing. I'm so happy. I don't know how I'm going to go to bed. Like I don't know how I'm going to go to sleep because we're recording <laughs> this right after the game. And after some game, like I think there was like a cup tie that we won last season. And I was like, how am I supposed to sleep? Well, how am I ever supposed to sleep again after that? That was just mint. Yeah, it's very rare at St James's Park for. At any ground, really, for all four, that's not really sides, is it? Because there's, there's corners filled in. Um, but, you know, people talk about the atmosphere and uh, I've read things saying, oh, it's the most, uh, it's going to be the most intimidating atmosphere in Europe. And I'm going, it, you know, I've been to Milan. It's not even, <laughs> it's probably third or fourth in our group. But nights <laughs> like tonight, I don't remember it. So it's, just, it's only the second Champions League game I've ever been to at home. Last one I went to was uh, 96, 97, Croatia-Zagreb. It was the first Newcastle United game I'd been to. 
And I remember like almost being scared as a little kid because of how loud it was. And that was when the days it was kind of 36,000 and it, it was lower. And it, it's hard to recreate that noise just with how open the ground is. Um, but tonight I was looking around, there were kids around me and like they were really excited, but you could see some of them were a little bit sheepish, especially when the goals went in. And I, you know, for the third and fourth, the head rush I had, it was a two Bovril night. Mm. Stephen Orr got me a second <laughs> Bovril at half time. <laughs> I have never had so much potassium in my blood. <laughs> and I felt physically unwell celebrating those second goals rushing up. It was jumping up. It was really beautiful. A two Bovril night is really funny. So many boxes ticked tonight. You know, first, first Champions League win of the new era done. Um, top of the group and put ourselves in a great chance of qualification now considering the other game finished a draw that's done as well one of the great atmospheres done fucking history made in terms of the goal scorers the goals the size of the victory the ease of the victory ultimately it's it just seems like and i appreciate that to this audience that i'm talking to now we all know the fucking score newcastle are a very very good football team we know it you experience it on a weekly basis. There's been some fucking shit to deal with earlier this season, but we've got through it. We're on a roll, as Sai says. But this is an announcement to Europe. This is an announcement to the rest of Europe. This was the biggest game tonight in the Champions League, in my opinion. And I'm very biased to, to say that, but, it, but it, looking at the other fixtures, it was, you know, um, the, the broadcaster in the UK, TNT, made a really big deal of this one. This was a massive game for Newcastle United to appear on in a European stage. Not only have they had to play this fixture against a, a really top caliber opposition, they've had to play it without Joe Willock, um, all the lads, Joe Linton, Sven Botman, Callum Wilson. They've had, to, they've had to come in tonight battered without a strong bench and they fucking won by four goals to one at a canter. It wasn't hard. These are the games that are supposed to be difficult. These are the games that are supposed to test you. You know, you're supposed to lick your wounds after these games. Look forward to the next one. You're supposed to wonder, how do you get close to Paris? How will we ever be at that level? Well, fuck off. We've won <laughs> by four goals to one and it was easy. And that's not to try and diminish the achievement in it because yeah. we're going to talk about the achievement and how it happened and why. And that's important. But Jesus Christ, Newcastle have done one hell of a job on Paris tonight. And like you've all articulated very well, for all four of us who were sat here and for those listening or for those who watched on TV, that was one of the great nights of European football in English football history. There has not been a crowd like that in a long time at an English ground making that kind of noise. And PSG, let's face it, we talked about after the Milan game and Sam Mignot, I think, chatting on WhatsApp at halftime, at halftime in Milan, we'd been overawed on and off the pitch. I think that they were your words to me. Well, PSG tonight were overawed on and off the pitch. They couldn't deal with the noise. They couldn't deal with the press. They couldn't deal with the quality. They couldn't deal with Fabian Shaw. It was that kind of night. Some more words, Sai, please. More words. I mean, they couldn't deal with our midfield, honestly. Uh, we'll get onto it a bit more in part two, I'm sure. But yeah, um, we, we beat them in every department of the pitch. You want to say that they couldn't beat our press. Yes, they couldn't. They couldn't beat our defence. They couldn't beat our goalkeeper. They could not beat any part of that team. And honestly, um, from from the starting eleven to the subs that came on, I've never seen Newcastle players play out of their skin quite in that way. And it's funny because you're right, it felt easy. It felt easy, but we worked really hard for that. It, 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 to say it was easy suggests that we didn't really yeah. earn that res- result, which probably does it a disservice. Those players deserve every bit of credit for the hard work tonight. I just, I, I'm so happy for Eddie Howe. I'm so happy for Jason Tindall. I'm so... <laughs> I, I love those two. I was like looking at them on the sideline. We were sort of near them tonight and looking at them on the sideline, just thinking like this little double act. Like I said to Alex at one point, it's like the, it's like the Olsen twins, isn't it? Like have a, doing a little movie together. And he was the like, natural nope, comparison. nope, no, it's not. And I was like, I don't know what else to, I don't, they're just like, they're just these, this, this perfect pairing that have done an unbelievable job. Look at the goal scorers tonight. Look at, look at the, the starting 11 tonight. A lot of that starting 11 was there before before they got here and they have managed to improve every single one to the extent that they've beaten a, 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 an established Champions League side. We are new in the Champions League and we've come in and we've beat PSG with, with players like Jamal Lascelles, with players like Sean Longstaff, who previously, and I'm sure we'll talk about it, were probably not going to be your first choice in a game like this. Wow. Not, not except Sai. Sai would have a, a team of 11 Longstaffs if he could. Um, which, you know, I'm coming around to that idea now. But um, 
but I just, I'm just so happy for them. I'm so happy for what they've created here and that they can reap the benefits of it. And, and I'm so happy for the players. I'm so happy for those local players. Um, I just, I, I, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I wondered how far you could get on this basis that Newcastle under Howe and Tyndall operate, which is that the sum is greater than the parts. Like you can have brilliant players, but actually some of our brilliant players, as you mentioned, were missing. And some of the lads that Charlotte's mentioned and a few others, they weren't just like here pre Howe and Tyndall. They were here pre Bruce. Yeah. Like there's half a dozen lads there that were either playing for us in the championship or signed that season after the championship. And you know, the, the four goal scorers are, are probably the four weakest links in the, the starting 11. Um, and it just, in the kind of everyone's first choice starting 11, I know so I wouldn't have that, that long stuff, but like, I questioned like, how far can you get? Can you really go into the Champions League in a, in a group with PSG and, and Dortmund and Milan and be that team? And it, it just shows how much of togetherness, how much the system, the guys that came in slid into that. You know, Elliot Anderson, with the greatest respect to him, like he's a kid playing what his tenth, maybe he's played a dozen games. He's the first sub on in a Champions League game in a massive game, replacing a seventy million pound player. But the way they're all so together means like he didn't look overawed by that actually he reveled in it and I just think it's a wonderful thing that we've got to feel when they're out in the middle doing those kind of laps at, at the end to feel it's like just it's not us and them it's just us together and that's really nice that was missing for so long lovely lovely Sam and I totally agree we're going to leave it there for part one of the show there are some adverts coming up if you want to listen to this podcast without those adverts you can it's only three pounds a month uh, to get these podcasts without the ads or even me referencing them. We'll be back for part two after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So part two of the show, and let's talk about just how Newcastle United have absolutely battered PSG by four goals to one. Sam, you wanted to talk about Newcastle's press and how PSG couldn't deal with it. Yeah, I mean, I don't profess to be an expert on French football at all. People talk about the difference in the two leagues, but it looked like nobody ever presses them. And, and, and actually, it was really clever when we pressed because we didn't press all the time. I, I saw it in the Milan game, actually. That one of the big differences it looks like between Champions League football and Premier League football is actually often you have a little bit more time on the ball. Mm. It's about the decision making and the quality with it. You're not suddenly touch, bang, someone's on you. But we did it and we didn't start doing it straight away, but we did it at just the right time. And the players from the front, you know, Isaac 
although uh, he didn't get on the score sheet and well, he, he did have one chance, but like he led that press and they're just kind of relentless, you know. However long ago it was, what, three or four months ago, where Anthony Gordon said, yeah, I'm not fit enough to play in that side. Like 90 minutes, 95, 98 minutes, he's still pressing. And the PSG defenders just didn't know what to do with it. And they got them in, got themselves into a big mess for at least one of the goals, maybe even a couple. And it's just a synergy, the way that everyone seemed to know when one guy goes this way, someone else fills in. And it just happened the whole time. And PSG couldn't deal with it. They couldn't play their way out of the Newcastle United press. And there were moments where we made like little mistakes, like sloppy little mistakes where the ball didn't go where it was supposed to go or, you know, it was a mistimed pass or whatever, you know, mistakes like that get made. But we dealt with it so well. PSG, maybe maybe the ball was passed to PSG, but we we just collected it off them. They just couldn't cope with it. And I and I and I just felt like the the shape of the, how we we kept talking about it um, while we were watching the shape that we held to deal with how high they were playing was just like like unreal and from the sidelines seeing and, and by unreal I mean it was just so disciplined it was so it was so they were so well drilled they knew what they were doing all of our players knew exactly what they were doing and then from the sideline you can you can see Eddie Howe and Jason Tindall kind of like really really giving them instruction and really really like okay don't make that space like stay on your stay on your man a lot of instruction over to Almiron like don't get into this because because they will exploit that gap and and I just that I, I guess what really struck me was kind of that discipline the way that they were they were um interacting with each other and then and and how well drilled they've been and, and looking over to the sideline knowing exactly what's what's being asked of them and managing to execute that absolutely perfectly like Isaac and um Gordon won't get the headlines for this game because they weren't the goal scorers and they, they didn't really have any moments of incidents like of themselves in that game but that press, as you say, Sam, that the way we uh, dominated them and the way that Donnarumma was playing the ball out to Hernandez and Hakimi at fullback and, and, and left and right, and they just immediately ran out of space and the amount of times they just seemed to sort of give up and play it long. And it's like nobody at that level does that against the, the fourth seed in the, in the Champions League group, do they? Like they, they were like, hang on a second, this isn't meant to happen. And yeah, that was all down to Isaac's running, Gordon's running, Miggy's running as well. Miggy gets a goal, so he's probably going to get the headlines. But those three ran them ragged in the first half. And then they were backed up by Longstaff, Bruno and Tonali as well. I think Tonali needs a mention for this because every one of them was, there was a massive, massive connection tonight in terms of how those guys play together. And we haven't seen that yet with Bruno and Tonali in the team. And I think that's really important. We were one big unit today and PSG did not know what to do about it. If there's one thing I would say about as like a slight criticism or like a here's how to improve because I'm the person that everyone should listen to on that is Tonali was like he was so good tonight. I thought he was Mm. excellent. He was finding an incredible amount of space. He was he was pulling players off the ball um, and I, I really enjoyed watching him tonight. Apparently he's not fully fit. Fine, whatever. I can't wait till he is. But he was finding himself in all this space and, and we should have found him for the ball and, and he would have played played some really nice through balls, I think. Um, but there were a few instances where we just didn't get it to him. Fine, it's okay, we won 4-1, it's not a big deal. But I really enjoyed watching him play mm. and I'm excited to see how that develops. Newcastle only had 30% of the ball tonight and it, it, it kind of screams back to the Rafa Benitez era where it's not how much of the ball you have it's what you do with it. And yeah. Newcastle were unbelievably effective in possession tonight. And if you look back to early this season when we were going through that tough patch, we were all saying, we're so wasteful in possession. We can't find our own man. Well, tonight in possession, they were unbelievable. They, they made the most of it. And then off the ball, their shape was just unbelievable. Let mm. me be clear. And I, I have no idea whether this is picked up in the, the wider coverage on TV, wherever you're watching the world or on social media, or whatever. But PSG kept four up all night. They get four across our back four all night. It's designed to bully you. It's designed to push you back. It's designed to scare you, and it didn't work. And the reason Newcastle was so successful, as well as the things that you guys have, have correctly said, is Newcastle's um, three midfielders and two wide players were just unbelievably disciplined as a flat five when PSG were in possession at the back. They knew when to press. They knew how to press. They knew who to press. It yeah. was absolutely tactically perfect this is one of the great tactical victories for me this wasn't Newcastle United blowing them away with superior players or 
um, you know, there were a couple of mistakes in there from PSG, but they were all forced mistakes. This wasn't PSG taking this game lightly. Luis Enrique is doing his fucking not in all game on the touchline. He is constantly telling his players, be braver on the ball, push up, push wider, push faster. The, the, the plan from PSG tonight was to overwhelm Newcastle. This wasn't a defensive side to come here, mm. keep it tight, play counter-attack football. They wanted to overwhelm Newcastle United. They want to show them Champions League football. They said, this is the level we're at. We're going to show you what it is to play a pressing game against us, even if you're not going to have loads of the ball. And we absolutely played through it. We blew them away. As I said, I, I don't want to... Um, put down what we've done tonight but ultimately it was an easy victory Newcastle United have coasted to victory in the end against a very good side and Eddie Howe has just he's just bested Enrique there's no other way to put it it was tactically perfect and every single one of the players in the pitch but particularly well I suppose I'll call it the front six let's include Isaka as well they they could not have done their jobs any mm-hmm. better everyone understood it tonight and if you look at Newcastle playing at the weekend against Burnley to have that tactical flexibility to be able to dominate a game like that almost in third gear and then be as tactically disciplined as they were tonight against world-class footballers that's the story for me they were they were just on another level tactically to PSG and PSG had no answers they had no answers they, they made early subs um, Enrique sends them out early at half time they had no answers to what Newcastle United wanted to, uh, wanted to do to them and that in itself was pleasing was also tactically bloody brave as well mm, because that's a really good point that first the first five minutes actually, there were a couple of times where it was almost like the PSG centre-backs had the ball and there were 11 Newcastle players behind the ball and they there was one of the, the number five I don't, I don't know them well enough but was kind of going backwards because he didn't know what to do and you're thinking are we just going to sit 11 men behind the ball all night but then as you said that point at some points, when we were pressing and we pressed at the right time, there was actually no one in midfield. There's you got our four defenders and their attackers, and then all of our lot pressing. And if if it just goes slightly wrong, if they get the ball to a midfielder, suddenly you've got Mbappe and Dumbelli running at Burn and Lascelles, and like that just didn't happen. Like, or if it did happen, it happened maybe once or twice. Yeah, it when a couple Mbappe of times. Yeah. It happened a couple of times, and we handled it. it d- really yeah, we well. dealt yeah. with it. Yeah. That's it's the, it's the couple, dealing with a couple of times overnight. Well, hundred minutes basically with the, the stoppage time. Yeah, I can take that all day. Yeah, it was that? What well, was the, the early one, wasn't it? The Mbappe one where he clips it over from Dembele, mm-hmm. and then that tackle from Jamal Lascelles yeah. a little bit later on. But it's so brave to go and do that against a side like PSG, even at home. So, like, kudos to Howe and everyone for pulling that off. I have to say, um, there's a lot to be said about the um, work they must have done because it's mentally exhausting to come into a, a, a game like this and, and play that well um, and that dis- that disciplined against a team that is this, this they're the favourites in the group. They're the ones who are with all this, this money. They're the ones with all this experience in the Champions League. They're very good. Yes, they lost two players over the summer, but whatever, whatever. Like for our... Um, yeah, for the, maybe the first 10, 15 minutes we were saying, weren't we, Alex? Like, oh, they're good. PSG are very good. And then after that, we just stopped saying it because we just had answers for whatever they were trying to do. And then we all, it wasn't just it wasn't just some kind of defensive masterclass. It was also, as we've said, like this incredible press and, and they didn't have answers for that. But like m- mentally for our side to kind of get themselves into that position from playing Burnley on the weekend and yeah okay we beat Burnley and that was a good game but like I don't know there's there's all these peaks and troughs and there's a lot of like up and down um to 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 have to deal with and to to hear you speak of bravery Sam it just makes me think like that's incredible bravery or it's incredible like blinkers on because we've got a job to do and we're just going to get it done it doesn't matter about the opposition and let's like fucking ignore it like it's all noise what we've got to deal with is here on the pitch and I think that takes a lot of mental fortitude to like get yourself there. Uh, Charlotte did a, a, a or had a conversation with uh, an equipe uh, journalist uh, on our Patreon platform, and he made the very very good point. This I'm not trying to denigrate Pierre at all. Excellent journalist that he is, mm. but he said he said he was so secure in his belief of a PSG victory because the Champions League group stage it doesn't do shocks. It's actually a very, very predictable set of fixtures and predictable set of results in terms of who progresses. It's all about experience, right? It's all about, yeah, it's all about experience. Can you play at this level? PSG are, in terms of the modern Champions League in the last five to ten seasons, are royalty at this level. Like, the the scope of the victory needs to be examined in that context because it, Pierre was right. You don't get this. This doesn't happen. Mm. This kind of upset. This kind of upset, and 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 I suppose you could argue the result can happen, 
but the the margin of victory and the, the the dominance Newcastle showed in terms of controlling the game, in terms of being ahead for so long, everything you have said is is absolutely correct. And it's just you know we all love Eddie Howe, we all love Newcastle United, this set of lads, the the whole thing. But wow, even for me, they've surpassed themselves tonight. I, 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 I don't want to say you. I, I don't want to say that I didn't think they had it in them because I think they did. But in terms of the challenges thrown their way with the the players that were missing, and we're going to talk about players in, in part three of the show. But for Jamal Lascelles to come in and do what he did tonight, for Fabian Cher to do what he did tonight, playing essentially wrong side of the defence, uh, for Sandro Tonali to come in and play left side of midfield for. For Miguel Almiron, again, written off, denigrated to score for the third game in the row, uh, in a row. For Jacob Murphy to come on and get an assist, it's the, there are just there are just there's just so many little stories that if you don't know Newcastle United and you don't follow the club, you probably don't tap into. There are so many things that have made this victory possible, which which we probably don't have time to talk about today. It's just a it's a it's a really proud moment as a Newcastle fan to be sat here talking about this victory. I'm absolutely fucking buzzing. And I feel like we need to kind of talk through these goals just to celebrate, just to kind yeah. of talk between ourselves. So go around the table, side goal number one. Miguel Almaron thoughts. Well, it was a really good save, wasn't it? It's a nice little finish, but Isaac probably deserved a goal because I thought he worked really hard tonight. And Isaac running around with the with the bandage around his head, a la Shearer from from that Sunderland game years and years ago. Um was was brilliant, but it was um, it was such a good little finish from Miggy. Miggy just being there, just being alert, being ready to to ping that way. Like the defenders were like, "Oh, that's not meant to happen," because Miggy just pops up and, and scores. So yeah, mm. um, I mean, the, the, I, I we we weren't expecting it. Um, I, I was pr- like, "Oh, that was a chance that," and then suddenly it's in the back. He just, like, he just was, comes from nowhere. Yeah, it's yeah, like it run was up so to it. quick. It was so quick, and I kind of I'm still adjusting to the pace of a Champions League game, by the way, because so. Um, I said this last week about the AC Milan game. I thought Champions League football is played at such a higher pace than any other football we're used to watching. And we've, we've, we've had 20 years of watching us play slow, try and kill the game football uh, in the Premier League. And then the, we've got like League Cup against Man City last, last week was great, but it was a kind of slow gentleman's game of football. This is different. It's totally different. Everything hangs on the how quickly can you react? How quickly can you do that? And that first goal was was us wanting it more. If it really felt like right, Miggy was the first to pounce. He got there, he scored, and it was such such a big moment. And I think the whole stadium just fell over itself because we just did not know what to make of it. I literally had tears in my eyes. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You Should know, we do goal number two? Well, I was just going to say that the goal is is essentially made by Bruno Gomares. Mm. Again, it's like you said earlier. It's brave. He, he, he could be looking behind him. He could be thinking. What will happen if this if this fails? If they get through this, I'm not going to be able to get back. And instead, he's he's pushed up on the 18 yard line, and he's managed to not only stop the ball, push, you know, not only um, make the press effective by getting in the way, but also find a Newcastle player with the with the kind of header. I don't know if it's his face or his head, <laughs> but wow. I don't think Bruno like thinks if I lose this, I, I can't get back there. I think he thinks I can definitely get back there, so it'll be fine, regardless of what happens. I'm just going to go for it. Goal number two, Sam. Oh, I didn't expect you to come for me there. I should expect <laughs> the unexpected. I'm try, trying to remember Sean Longstaff's goal, but no, Dan Byrne. Oh, he gets up, uh, leaps we, like a salmon. He, he leap. He is. So, I mean, he's a tall man to start with, but he is a long way in the air, and you can see he immediately kind of glances at the ref and he starts celebrating, and then that flag goes up. And everyone stops. And everyone just thinks so that's So did you it. think it was a goal? Did you think it was over the line from your vantage point? I, the way they reacted, from my vantage point, I w- I've got no idea if it's over the line, but just the way he reacted. And because I qualified as a ref as a kid, I'm kind of like, because <laughs> I'm that kind of sado. I'm trained. <laughs> like, you're trained to immediately look. So the first thing I do, it's like muscle memory, is look at the lino and look at the ref just to see their reactions. I, could see, I looked at the ref, saw he was happy, and then the flag goes up. So I'm like, I'm stopped. And then everyone just gets back into position. You don't really mm. think, you kind of know, oh, they're going to check it anyway. VAR's going to check it. And because we are, were Newcastle United under Mike Ashley, and I've got the ground doesn't really lend itself to a big screen either, but it's the smallest big screen in the world. And <laughs> only about like 6,000 people can see it. Uh, and it's a long way up. You can't read the writing. And if it's in French, apparently they were doing dual language to the they right. Were. It said, um, but uh, validité. Uh, it was like, check goal. And then it was, but, apparently, but... B-U-T means goal in French. 
little lesson for everybody. Ah. But but validity. You go, but the longer it goes on, like it took ages. Ages. It was so long, and you, we're now trained to think, well, the longer a VAR yeah, takes, the more chance it's going to be a tiny decision round. And hang on a minute, the on-field decision was offside, as we you know that's been in the papers a lot recently. On-field offside, so he's taking a long time to check it. Uh, we could be in here, and it didn't. When he gave it, it didn't take away from the moment. You, mm-hmm. may, perhaps mm-hmm. because it was given offside and we all saw it. Like usually we talk about VAR, it takes away those magic moments. Tonight, didn't matter. Still happy. Dan Byrne still celebrated like he just nodded it. And he got a double celebration yeah. and he got that feeling twice. It was beautiful. I think... Well, oh, go on. Sorry, I was just about to give the point of view from the corner, which is pretty much the opposite of everything you've just described. Right. So we had no idea if it had crossed the line. We thought that the VAR check must be, do they not have goal line technology for this? What? what are they checking? Because mm. it's so unclear. Then it's like, oh, maybe there was an offside, right? Okay, there's been about three or four minutes. It wouldn't take this long just to do an offside. What else is there? Maybe it went out of play. Okay, right, fine. Uh, what else? They don't know if it's gone over the line. It really felt like after four or five minutes, like, what are they checking? Are they checking for a red card? Like, we had no idea what could possibly take this Because you can't see the screen. No, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, obviously we can't see the screen. The and um, at no point did I think a goal was about to be awarded. So I was mm. not at all prepared for the ref to just blow his whistle and point to the to centre spot. Yeah. So when Dan Byrne so wheels away in celebration, we're like, oh my fucking God. It was incredible. Like that I, that was a totally different experience for me of that moment because Dan Byrne pretty much let me know that it's a goal that's been awarded because I had no idea, no idea what was going on. Well, that's what we said, didn't we? Because we were like, like most of the stadium doesn't know what's happening yeah. because but Validité is only on like for, for like <laughs> like a very small amount of people. Um, and I, and, and I, I don't think like, he didn't really celebrate. So the crowd didn't Not celebrate. Not at the time, yeah. So yeah, that's yeah. why I think it like it didn't take away from the moment because when it was given, most of the crowd were like, oh my God, fucking because, brilliant. Because the, 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 the ref's thing it, must have gone off. It, it goes, must have go, definitely go, go, said go, go, it's a goal. Watch. Yeah. And I think Dan Byrne looks at the ref and sees his arm buzzing because he seems <laughs> to know it's a goal, but he immediately then looks to the linesman and he's like, all oh, right, okay, I'll have to wait then. But then everything stops for so long that yeah. no one's anticipating an actual goal decision. It was just, mm. I've never seen anything like it. Honestly, never seen anything like it. Gasler 2 nil up Charlotte and then after half time they make it three. They do. This is, oh, Cy wants to talk about it. This is Sean, this is Sean Longstaff's goal. Um, another of our local boys, um, another person that you sort of think, oh man, like, is that the person we want in this game? As it turns out, very much yes. Um, this is the person that Pierre from Le Keep, like was pretty rude about, although he didn't, I don't think he meant to be rude, but um, he he comes in, he gets, who crosses the ball to him? This is, I'm really sorry. Like, do we know? Who plays him through? Who plays Trippier, him through? Trippier. It's Trippier. Trippier. So yes, so Trippier plays the ball through. So he's, and he just, he just, it's like we talked about um, in, we did a video just before this. It's kind of this like hard and low, but it bounces under, like Donna Rummer tries to get an arm on it. It, from the angles I've looked at, what? It's just Andy Griffith against Juventus. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, exa- it's exactly it's that. Goal. It's an Andy Griffin goal. It bounces <laughs> under the arm of Donna Rummer and then into the top corner of the, of the, so it's this like hard and low, like ball, but then suddenly like the net is going up. When and- Longstaff goes home tonight and his wife says, how was the game? Cause she doesn't watch. Um, mm-hmm. She's it's busy. like top corner. Yeah, hit one in the top corner tonight. Yeah, top corner. No, no <laughs> bother. Definitely meant to, and that's exactly what happened. But it was just, it was just, it was very, very beautiful moment. And then he got to like run. So he was right there in the corner, run right to the corner and celebrate that. And it's just this kind of like, oh my fucking god, moment in the crowd. Like I cannot believe this is happening. I can't believe this is happening for this player. I'm so fucking happy. Really, sort of like. Not as clean as the last goal, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but a really, really lovely strike. Um, a really nice sort of like bounce away from Donnarumma. And yeah, just that's all I've got to say on that goal. Sai? Yeah, I, I, you, you've, you've captured it pretty well. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful, th- almost a through ball from, from Trippier because uh, you're expecting Longstaff to then cut it back across goal mm-hmm. for Isaac or Gordon, who I think is still on the pitch at this time. Um, yeah. But instead he just smashes it at Donnarumma. <laughs> and... and so I hate to do this, but I'm going to mention the, the, the Match Day podcast because you will hear me go, ah, 
Oh, it's in. <laughs> because I genuinely thought, well, that's saved. And, and then it suddenly just, you saw the net rubber because I thought he just got a hot, a strong enough hand on it. <laughs> and it just, it literally hits the back. And then we're like, oh my God. So yeah, uh, obviously I was absolutely buzzing for him. And yeah, the, the, the fact that Sean Longstaff gets to then wheel away into the uh, the southwest corner. Wheel. Um, I, I've said wheel twice as well. Everyone's <laughs> wheeling away tonight, such as the occasion. If there's ever a time to wheel away to when you score it's, goals it's in the Champions this League. Evening. Um, yeah. It's 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 the the critical moment of the night because at three 0 no matter what happens next, we've won the game, so mm. we can just enjoy what remains of this football match. And it was just so perfect for Longstaff, my favourite player, the <laughs> turning point of our season after such a terrible start. Get Longstaff back in the team. Look what happens: five clean sheets, four clean sheets, five clean sheets, four clean sheets, and then this. Yeah, um, it's been incredible. And then goal number four, which I'll talk you through, was the best one of the night. It's Fabian Shaw, who for, for me is, is man of the match. Mm. Uh, he was unbelievable. Him and Jamal LaSalle's the pair of them. And, you know, Jacob Murphy picks up the ball and everyone thinks Jacob Murphy's going to have a shot. And he lays off Shaw, who's almost kind of fought. Well, he does fall over when he hits it. And it's just one of the great goals. Donnarumma's a great goalkeeping. He's a big bloke and he, and he can't get to it. And it's it's one of those that kind of starts outside of the post, moves back in. You have to be a really, really good footballer to score those kind of goals. And Fabian Shaw is a really, really good footballer. And one of my favourite things about this goal, because I'm a small, petty man, <laughs> is how it will have looked from the away end. Who will right <laughs> behind it. And fucking droned on all game with their drum. Uh, and, and we're, that's we're, what everybody does with a drum they and, drone. and we're, we're right behind that one as it curls back into the goal into the top corner and yeah it's it's pandemonium in the stadium no one's left early because Newcastle are 3-1 up already against PSG in the Champions League 4-1 um, is the the sweetest of icings on the tastiest of cakes. It was, <laughs> it's, just, it's just an absolute. It was just. I, I, I say this. I say this rarely. It was a privilege. It was a privilege to witness that goal. That level of quality from that player who, who, who was deemed. You know, let's take it back for Fabian Shaw. Even we on this podcast back in 2018-19 were like, great player, but can't play in a back four. He needs a back three. He needs Florian Lejeune beside him. Like, oh, and then, you know, he cut that Rafa leaves, Bruce comes in and he's a liability. He's not good enough. They think Fede Fernandez is better than him. They think Kieran Clark's a better shout than him. They think fucking Isaac Hayden's a better shout than him at Old Trafford in October 2021. Do I remember mad shit about football? Yes, I do. <laughs> Here we are. And he is, he is one of the best signings in Newcastle's history in terms of value for money. Uh, and he's just he's just a superb footballer, and it's a privilege to watch him. And that goal, that that's the highlight goal for me. That's the goal that will be played in years to come. When we're talking about this in 20 years' time, it'll be Fabian Cher who gets the headlines because of that goal, and he deserves it. Fabian Cher sliding on his arse as he falls over to connect with the ball. But it, so, was, it was a perfectly hit shot. Great. Yeah. It was great. But the, the tackle's just as good, by the way. So he wins the ball, mm. lays it to Murphy, which is, we always, don't lay to Murphy. <laughs> Who then gives Gets it back to him perfectly. And it's a great assist because he, no, you can't do anything with that. Literally, here you go, 20 yards from goal. You don't have to do much here. You just have to get it on target because the keeper's kind of like, brilliant. You're just going to let him shoot all your lads. Mm. Because they Paris had given up, by the, by the way, at this point. Yeah. Defensively, they seem to have given up. The extra when time. You're, when you're letting Murphy turn on the ball, lay it off, and our centre-half shoot, you've given up, lads. <laughs> you, you, you cannot deal with Newcastle United. And yet, Cher's like, well, I'm just going to start lying down as I hit this shot. <laughs> I can take this go. one it's from my goal. bed. Yeah. <laughs> we have to move on to part three of the show. So we're going to do that again. A couple more bits. You know what to do if you want to get rid of them back after these. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's part three of the show and we have to talk about just how Newcastle United made this happen and, and the notable performances from players. They were all magnificent. But Sai, you want to talk about uh, Bruno Gomares? Bruno's back, isn't he? The, the Bruno we all thought we, we had for life is back because I'll be honest, at the first three or four games of the season, I was starting to worry, like, is he not as good as we thought he was? Is he now showing signs of second season syndrome? No, he's not at all. He's brilliant. Now, 
whether that's Longstaff alongside him, whether they've worked on it with Tonali, something about that midfield tonight clicked. But Bruno, there were times, especially in that first half, when the game was open, when the game was close, before we took a three-goal lead, when we needed to get ourselves out of trouble, we needed to unlock those spaces. And there was times when the ball comes to Bruno, and this is the Bruno that we've come to love and know. He gets it, he, he, he does a turn, he finds a bit of space, he doesn't lose the ball, he passes it to a Newcastle player. When we're under loads of pressure, when there's players all around him and he's got no space, he, he unlocks that space, he turns a player, he opens up, and that's what we've been missing from him. For the first few games of the season, he was doing that and losing the ball, just getting tackled all the time now. Whether that's confidence, whether it's fitness, whether he was carrying an injury, I don't know, but we have got Bruno back now and everything he did tonight was inch perfect, passing perfect. Turning away with the ball, perfect. Popping off to share, fine, perfect. The, the pair of them, by the way, tonight in particular, mm. had some sort of ridiculous connection. Um, yeah, Bruno is back and he's the heart of our midfield and he is a great big part of how we won that game. He's also just like, he's so... Uh, he's so you've see, you see how he reacts to the crowd and how he gets the crowd mm. g'd up and now other players are doing that way more as well like players have always done that like try and get the crowd going but even for the smallest of tackles they'll they'll like be doing exactly what Bruno's doing because the crowd just get so noisy when he when he does anything basically on the ball he's such a joy to watch he seems to be really enjoying himself i think i do feel like bruno really responds to the caliber of opposition so I, I almost feel, and, and I don't think this really, but it's almost like when he has to step up, when it has to be a performance like that, he's just fucking unbelievable because he, he's like, this is where I should be. This mm. is my, na- this is where, this is the standard of football I should be playing. And we needed that tonight, actually. You look, in, you look at that side and you look at Bruno and you look at Trippier and actually the greatest compliment I can play to share is he looked like that tonight as well. Yeah. Mm. You look at those players, they don't have to be doing 10 out of 10 things. They don't have to be sticking it in the top corner, but just the way they carry themselves and the calmness, like what's beautiful about, like I always used to think, and Stephen Taylor's going to do well to get a mention on this podcast, but I'm going to talk <laughs> about it. Like, it used to be cringe of you, right? Like pumping up fans like that. And after every tackle, you think a little bit, but the way they do that, but then go straight back into calm zone and the head switch straight back on um, is like a wonderful thing to watch. As someone like Bruno, you're absolutely right. We'd have sold him this, right? 18 months ago, they'd have sold him nights like this. Mm. And he wouldn't have really believed him. He'd have gone, yeah, 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 fine. But if it doesn't work out, like this is just a means to an end. And like for this to have happened and for him to be doing that, like... I love him. He loves himself as well, right? He loves the attention, the kind of the focus so. be on him. And rightly so. And players like him don't actually need to touch the ball to make things happen. Like just the way they use their body, that free kicky one down near the corner quite late on, just the way they put themselves across the ball, their positioning, like it's something that not a lot of players have. And you need those players on nights like that just to show everyone else the way forward. And he did that trip. He did that too. You want to talk about some of his midfield colleagues as well, Sam? I do. I, I thought it was actually Tonali's best performance. He is, it's a shame. I was a bit worried when he went off, actually, and it's clearly fitness. And by the way, we talk about how they must have worked on this. Like, well, Tonali didn't work on it. He was in Milan and didn't get back until late yesterday. So he missed <laughs> training. We're all in kind of meltdown. He was signed to play nights like this. He's why Hal fell in love with him because he made, it, there were a few passes for him that were a little bit rusty, but the way he made space for himself and the way he pressed was just like, it was really, really good, but long stuff. I'm not going to say I'm a disciple of size, uh, and just say it. Just say it. I, and I've always he wants you to say it. I, I've come around to the fact that like we are better with Longstaff in the team, but I didn't really know why. And then there was a moment in the first half, and it was a really like simple nothing moment. But we've we've won the press, and, and we've all bombed forward. And Longstaff is over towards the east stand, and he is about to play a, a, maybe a return pass to Bruno, and it's maybe a forty percent chance pass but it's the kind of pass that an average player plays every time because it's the only thing they see. And Longstaff goes to play the pass, quickly realises that it's not a high percentage and if he gets it wrong, we're in real trouble. And he doesn't play the pass and he stops and he gives it to Cher, really simple. And maybe no one else in the whole ground would notice it or bring it up as a talking point. But at that moment, I went, ah, you are quite a clever footballer and you have learned, you wouldn't have done that two or three years ago. You'd have played that pass, hoped you, you got through the 40%. And if not, we'd have been facing Mbappe on the counter, but he didn't. Kudos to him. Nick Pope, sorry. 
Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah, I'm just taking a second to enjoy the, uh, <laughs> the uh, long soft love. And yeah, uh, just the last thing I want to want to touch on is uh, towards the end, Nick Pope kicked four to five balls immediately out of play on the left hand side of the pitch, and then every time it looked like he was trying to reach Dan Byrne to keep the ball in play on the halfway line, but by the fourth or fifth time, it's like he's obviously doing that on purpose. And the reason why is because every time they had to make that throw in at right back, I don't know if Hakimi was still on the pitch, but they were throwing it back to the centre half and going back to the keeper and then going long. And most of the time that either came back to us or it went out of play, either way, it ran down two to three minutes of, of play every single time. So I'm convinced now that Nick Pope is not really bad at distribution. He actually was deliberately booting that ball in at the far end of the East stand, knowing they're going to have to take a throw in, knowing that we were dominating from said throw-ins every single time. I honestly think that was deliberate. Maybe, maybe I'm so, getting, so I'm romanticizing it. it a, but do you think the, the hand up to teammates and apology was false? Yeah, yeah. It's all part of the act. It's like, oh God, he's I've done a, it again, he's a great lads. Actor. Yeah. You know how they talk about getting psychologists in and all of that stuff? Seriously, also though, getting acting coaches. Every one of those PSG throw-ins led to them not doing anything, losing the ball and running down the clock. And I think Nick Pope's like, yes, sorry, lads. Oh, I've done it again. Whoopsie. <laughs> He's very good. We saw him sit down with no injury last season. And, yeah, yeah, he knows and what he's doing. yeah, he's a smart player. They were all but, by the way, size. sorry, Nick Pope as well. He made some crucial saves as well. Mm. <laughs> you know, he did. He had a very good goalkeeping performance, um, but I think that was on purpose. They were all very good tonight. They were all very good. We could talk about them all. Maybe quickly from me, I just think we have to praise the fullbacks in particular. Again, a lot of the discourse pre-game was just how on earth will Dan Burn cope with Dembele? Pretty easily, it turns out. <laughs> he got uh, in once. He yeah. Got in once. Um, and the same Mbappe against Trippier, you know, you know, memes aside of Kieran Trippier's uh, cleaner washing out his shorts and finding <laughs> Kylian Mbappe in them. Uh, very <laughs> awkward for the PSG coaching staff to have lost him like that. But it, it ultimately, you know, it's not just it's not just those lads. It's the support in particular, kind of from Tenali, Longstaff, Almiron, and, and Gordon. But Newcastle just closed PSG down so well on the mm. wings. It, it, you know, it was a, it was a meticulous performance from that aspect. And the last point I want to make, and feel free to come in to kind of play us out of this podcast, this celebratory podcast, is that I think wins and nights like this are so important to the journey the club is on. You touching it, Sam, about how you sell the football club or how they sell the football club to players. Okay, so Bruno and Trippier turn up when we're shite, when we're 19th in the Premier League and there's nothing to go on. There's literally Burnley at home, 1-0 win. That's the only game we won that season and Burnley were shit and we kind of scroped through that one. You don't have, you've got the vision, but you don't have anything tangible to, to show them. You can only talk about what you're going to do in the future. And then after that, you've got Arsenal at home in a 2-0 in, in win at the end of that season. And kind of last season, you've got big wins away from home, but you've got notably Man City at home and Manchester United at home and Spurs at home and Brighton at home. They're the kind of, these are very good teams that are coming to our home stadium and we're battering them and we're better than them and we're really good. Come and be part of that. Look at the flags, look at the atmosphere, look at the noise, look at the adulation. Tonight just takes that to the next level. I think it's a crucial win in in terms of the... The, the stature of the football club no longer are we the you know just the project of new owners from PIF uh, Amanda Staveley and her colleagues of Eddie Howe and some good footballers we've done what we've done tonight to one of Europe's best sides and it you know it I hesitate to say it again but it wasn't it, it wasn't undeserved it wasn't easy I want to say fluke. easy but yeah it, it was we were better than them they, could, they couldn't cope with what we had and we could cope quite comfortably with what they had. And in terms of selling yourself to sponsors, to players of the future, trying to grow the fan base, I just think tonight is massive in that context. And the 3-2 win against Barcelona, 20, well, more than 20, what, 25 years ago maybe now, um, it's still relentlessly replayed. It's still, it, 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 it has almost been, that was the high point of Newcastle United's in the Premier League era, that win against Barcelona. I think that's now been replaced by tonight because that didn't lead to anything. Yeah, it was great to win against Barcelona the night, but we didn't get out of the group. Well, we're top of the group now. We're top of the group. And I think we're going to get out of the group. And we've got a host of good footballers. And every week they spend with Eddie Howe, they get better. And I just feel like tonight is important. It was great to witness and it's great to talk about. And I can't wait to watch highlights and watch the game back. And we look forward to, to Dortmund at home twice. But nights like tonight are career defining for players but also kind of club defining for 
for the whole football club. And I think that's it's it's one of the biggest wins I'll ever witness in that respect because it's the first one and we've announced our arrival on the yeah. European stage. Why are we playing Dortmund at home twice? Oh, uh, we'll play them at home once and then we'll play them all right. <laughs> I mean, I've got a flight booked to Dumbledore, so I hope we'll play them. Got a bit confused there. Yeah. I did. And also you did. <laughs> but agreed. It is. We've announced ourselves. Sorry, you were on a, re- you were a really nice like way of f- ending the podcast and then I just I just didn't understand that last time. You did say something funny there, Karen. <laughs> you just fall in love again, don't you? You keep falling in love it, it, over and over and... A, I can't wait for the reverse game when we see that little TNT montage of tonight where they kind of clip it up and mm. say, oh, will PSG get revenge on Newcastle United for their 4-1 drubbing or whatever? However they dress it up. And you just, like, like that was Mbappe out there. And we made, like, Trippier made him look like relatively average. It's, it's a real privilege to get to watch players like that live. You know, when there was rumours he wasn't going to play. But actually, you, you really, as much as you don't want him to tear you apart, you want to see players like that. And we saw players like that. And, and you see what they mean. And... I like to think that that's somewhere in, was it Jesmond or, or Darris Hall? Is that where all the players yeah, live? Yeah, they've, they've migrated back there. And in a couple of hours' time, like Kieran Trippier walks in with his kind of like flip-flops and uh, socks on. And there's a little boy that just kind of like tugs on his shirt and he looks down and he goes, oh, daddy, I'm sorry. I won't doubt you again. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, go to bed, it's really late. <laughs> It's really late for us as we finish this True Faith <laughs> podcast immediately after PSG have been beaten by four goals to one by Newcastle United in the Champions League. I just wanted to say that again because it sounds sounds very good and I can still scarcely believe it happened. But happened, it did. Thanks to you guys for joining me on this podcast. Thanks to everyone who listens and supports this show. What a win, what a night, what a football club. We're on Patreon, three to eight pounds a month. There's going to be a full review of this game in a far more tactical analysis than we've provided now and then we build up to West Ham another massive game in the Premier League the weekend come and join us on that platform if you like what we do we'll be back probably Monday night after that West Ham game thanks for listening bye-bye everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.